Listener Production. Automotive commentator and journalist Greg Rust, and this is Rusty's Garage. I'm at home for this ep while my guest is in Victoria. He's had what he calls a tree change. Vanilla is now home and he's lending decades of race experience to Winton Motor Raceway. More on that new chapter later. Jeff Greck is a straight shooter with a very impressive CV. He's worked on some of the best Australian touring car teams over the years, on the tools and in major frontline roles. From the legendary Peter Brock to Larry Perkins, with Nissan on the mighty GTRs, Godzilla. And he was team boss during a golden era for the Holden Racing Team in supercars with Mark Scaife, Craig Lowndes, Greg Murphy and many more. He's not really done a podcast like this before, so I'm honoured he's come on. You'll love some of the backstories, the rivalries an innovation that hasn't been widely spoken about until now, some insights on the current state of play, and I'll tackle some of your questions raised on social media. I almost sense this is a bit cathartic for Jeff. He's seen some incredible highs and a few lows, and stepping away from major team positions in a sport which has been his life isn't easy. But Jeff's the first one to tell you he's not the Lone Ranger there. His record is one to be immensely proud of, and having interviewed him on broadcast many times over the years, I'm pleased he's still involved in the game. If you're into motorbikes, you'll love the start of this pod too, because Jeff's early days were dominated by bikes. Family life as a youngster played a huge part in the path he would end up taking. Rusty um, is in Emmerdale Heights in Melbourne, actually. Dad had a little engineering shop with a service station out the front. And um, he used to race motorbikes, mainly grass track, uh, speedway, and, and back then motocross was called scrambles. The motorcycle club would meet round the meet round at the the house was next door to the to the business um, in Emmerdale Heights. So you know, with a gate between it. So I spent probably twenty three and a half hours a day in the workshop. And I only went home for a feed and a bath, so and a bit of sleep. <laughs> so it was, it was a great upbringing. Dad was, uh, dad, dad and I were like mates. He, he kept me involved in everything, and um, I'd come in when they were having a club motorbike meetings, and he was in the, um, he was in the Braybrook Club then, and we had Tracy Speedway, which was behind the Maribyrnong RSL. So I sort of from. I can't remember the earliest time, but it was always motorbikes and hanging around Dad in the workshop. So when I was about 13, he bought me my first mini bike. It was a Yamaha 60. I think it was Yamaha 60, and he juiced it up. We put an expansion chamber on it and all those old school stuff. Um, Anyway, obviously I got flogged a little bit, (laughs) so... He then, the, the bike to have then was um, an XR75 and they'd just come out and there was a guy in Airport West called Clive Wolfenden and he was an expert tuner of XR75s. So I was in the Laverton Motorcycle Club 
and we used to run around. There was a track at Laverton, one at Wallen in country Victoria there, which was a really good track, um, and there was one at Knox, a few others, but they were the main tracks. I was going to say, was there a state? Was there a state title in there somewhere for you as well? There was. It was. It, there was a couple of state uh, championships, but so Dad decided that we went there with a standard XR seventy five, and again I got flogged, you know. And and look, Rusty, I wasn't I wasn't the gun rider, but I thought I could ride fairly well. Anyway, so Dad got the shits actually, and he said because <laughs> I kept saying, "Look, Dad." The Wolfenden bikes are the ones that have. No, no, no. So next thing we had the engine out back in the workshop and he said about he poured it out the, it's only a single cylinder, so he poured it out the head, made bigger valves. He bought a piston that was just the same bore size but it had to be all machined so it would fit. And he was mates with George Wade, Wade Cam's very famous um, camshaft designer and uh George uh, made a made a new cam for it, and I remember when we put it in, it hardly fitted in the little cradle. <laughs> and a- anyway, he also because he used to muck around, obviously with pommy bikes back in the day, he decided to put an Amal Carby on it. So Stanco in the in in the city of Melbourne, which were were there for a lot of years. Um, he went in, he, I can't think of the guy's name now, an old guy, and he bought a, an Amal racing carby with, with about 20 needles and different jetting. And, of course, we got it all together and and uh, I remember up the side street, it was Gravel Wood Street in Nevendale Heights, and he just kept, for, we spent a day and this thing was wild. Like, uh, in the end, when he got got the got the carby Right with with the right needles and jets, I, you know, I wore out the knobby going up and down the street till we got it right, and obviously the carby was really big, and he made the manifold himself. So when it, it, it was a weapon, I mean, it was a real weapon. So we go to the first race meeting. It was at Laverton at my home track. Anyway, we we roll a bike off the trailer, and they all had the wolf and you know the 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 a bigger. Japanese carby and you know all the stuff, and here's this here's this XR seventy five with this ammo poking out the side with a foam <laughs> sock, and everyone was laughing. I remembered anyway. Dad being as proud as punch, he just wheeled her out, and we were behind the set that was going off in practice. Anyway, he, he also made this megaphone. Well, it was a reverse mega, and it was as loud <laughs> as. And of course, they all had the they all had the you know the, the the American pipes that were Mickey Mouse, and anyway, he started it up, and you could hardly you could hardly hear the other bikes. Anyway, he said, <laughs> "Right, Dad used to call. I was in in Dad's business. He was called Cactus. That was his nickname because he was a prick, <laughs> and um, and I was Cactus Junior. So." So anyway, we there. He said, "Right, oh cactus, hop on the thing and um, and give it to it." So I we we got to the start. It was a ribbon then. It wasn't the gates like they are now. It was a ribbon. So the ribbon went up, and I just flattened it. And um, I I won the first race by half a lap. Like this thing was just screaming. Anyway, so and it, the talk was about this thing, and you know whether it was illegal or whatever. You know, it was there, there was. 
you can imagine the chat because, as I said, there was really good riders and I just smoked them and going my first meeting back. Anyway, at the next race meeting, all these XR75s have turned up with Amal Carbies on them. <laughs> and, 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 and I think it was I think it was Phil, this bloke Phil, I think it was Phil at Stanco rang. He said, hey, Cactus, I've just run out of Amal Carbies. Every, all these young blokes and their dads are coming in. So as you know, Rusty, you've been around pit lane. Like once someone finds something, next thing all the pit lane's got it. So anyway, that was my... That was a bit of a laugh, and um, I did. I won the uh, I won the state title race at Wallen, and then I had a mate got really really hurt bad, uh, really good mate, and I thought it didn't affect me, but um, he actually he actually uh, he was behind me, and he he where Wallen used to come down a hill and and turn at a tree and go over a little creek and he fell off and, in, and a bike come over and landed on his back and he's, you know, quadriplegic. And um, so, you know, I, that really, I, I didn't think it would got get to me, but about a month later, Dad Dad sort of said one night at home, he said, hey, Cat, this, like, you know, Steve got hurt bad and maybe it's time to throw the towel in if you know, if you're not going to race hard, don't do it, you know, if you're frightened. And and I thought about it and, yeah, I just, I, I did. I thought, yeah, look, I, and and I knew I was, I knew I wasn't that good to keep going. By then, you know, you you were starting to get into one, two, fives and stuff. So I had my go and, uh, yeah, it was good. So then the attention really turned to, um, from there, I, I obviously... Uh, started, I went to uni actually. Uh, so when I finished school, I was good at, um, there was a, a subject called mechanical drawing and it was the old board with the slides and, you know, slide rule to work through. And the teacher talked mum and dad into sending me to be an architect. And like, uh, you'd imagine my life, mate, I was always around the workshop. Anyway, I said, Dad, Dad, I don't want to do that. I want to. He said, no, 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 mate, you're not going to be a mechanic, so don't dream about it. You, you go and, you, you know, you're going to be something better than I was. Any, anyway, so we enrolled and I got in and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I was there nearly six months at RMIT in Melbourne and I thought, I got, I got the shits with this. You know, I, 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 did, like, I did like mechanical drawing, obviously, I don't I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to get spanners in my hand. And dad, had, and dad at that stage, he retired. He didn't retire. He was real, always interested in farming. So he bought some farms north of Melbourne, up at Kyneton, and um, he then decided to lease out all the buildings and the businesses and just concentrate going up to the farm all the time. So there wasn't really a a, a workshop for you. Yeah, yeah. So mm. in the end, the, um, Melford Motors in the city, which is a Ford dealer, decided to um, they put an ad for apprentices, and there was a government incentive to take on forty first year apprentices. You imagine forty, you know, yeah, forty young blokes thrashing around in workshop utes. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I I got I got a, I got a job, but the problem was. 
I had to get my indentures signed. So I talked mum into coming in with me at the interview. And anyway, I, I mean, poor old mum, I put her under under the pump. So she she actually signed off. Dad, and I worked at Melford's for three months before Dad even knew. <laughs> How did that conversation go then? Oh, he found out, obviously. Mm. Mum, got, mum had a weak moment apparently and because... Because he he kept asking how you how well am I too? He was going oh yeah no it's all right and <laughs> anyway I got a little bit of a clip over the ear hole for 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 doing it but um, you know he he ended up being as proud as punch that I I I took the course I did yeah that's how I got into the into trade and then I I love racing you know I loved any any sort of racing but. And he's a he's a famous in my mind. He's 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 everyone knows him. Colin Russell, he who was at one stage uh, team manager of Ford Racing Team with Moffat and anyway, he retired. He was a school teacher at Batman Automotive, but he was mucking around with or he's helping uh, establish Larry Ormsby in Top Fuel, and there was another guy. Um, Johnny Mepstead, I think, I think, yep, Johnny. So, so he said to me one day, um, "Hey Jeff, do you want to do you want to help us out with the top fuel car?" I said, "Oh, I'd love to." So anyway, that's started. That I ended up doing. Um, I ended up volunteering. It was all night work, so you finish work, and I'd start a little bit early, finish a little bit early, and drive all the way to Melbourne to Footscray. Oh wow! And then and then work on a top fuel car, and then go home, g- grab a couple of hours sleep, and it was and uh, back, back to, to work, work again the next day. And then the first race meeting I went was um, the nineteen seventy nine finals at Castlereagh in Sydney. I was only a gopher, mind you, but there was Colin and a guy by the name of Mark Watson. So yeah, we that was a bug that got me. And and, and Jeff, the the top fuel. I mean, the, the drag racing community's been in touch via social media about this. So people had fondly remembered that you had that involvement. What was that car like? And uh, am I right in saying that that association would would lead to a bit of an overseas trip too? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So as time went on, and um, I then finished my apprenticeship, and I got a I got a job in the dine section in um, Fisherman's Bend in experimental engineering. So I went there and I was still working with Larry. By that time, I think Colin had sort of had enough of it and he, he trained me up to run the car myself. So we were going along pretty well. Uh, and that were the days of the, the Jim Reeds, you know, the, the Hussey brothers, Johnny Marr and Top Fuel uh, with both car uh, with funny car with jimmy walton and i mean it was a golden era drag racing it was Ma- magic magic days uh, what sort of horsepower numbers for the listeners jeff back then here i mean we didn't run the cars as hard as they did in in the states but back here they were probably about three and a half four thousand but it was never a die it was only theoretical over in america they had they used to run them on big navy you know the navy um Packard engine. They had big dynos were as big as a house and they used to run top fuel engines Mm. but it was an estimate because they were that Mm. you just pull the string and bang you know and they and they the absorber would try try and hold the you know the flywheel so that was my foray into drag racing and then the the trip you're talking about Larry decided that 
uh, we would go over and get a new engine out of Keith Black's. So he said to me, do you want to come over? To the US, wasn't it? Yeah. So Larry's Larry's daily business, he used to buy brake, uh, brake machinery. So the Van Norman big brake drum lays and shoe riveters, because back then it was all, you know, all that hand stuff done. Yeah. Yep. And he he basically had an open order with PBR in in um, the southeast of Melbourne. They were in um, just off North Road there in Oakley. And so he'd he'd buy go around America, buy all the buy anything he could as far as brake a uh, brake uh, reconditioning machinery. He'd bring it back here, recondition it, and then obviously sell it off to PBR was his biggest customer. So he said, why don't you come over? So I actually left work. I thought, oh, well, I'll leave work and go over and um, have like a working holiday. I had to pay for it myself. Um, but anyway, I was only 21 and never been out of never been out of Australia. So we, we went to Black's. The engine was built. So what they did is they had like a little assembly shop and a Mexican guy used to run it called Amos Saddletree. He was a he was a ripper guy. I remember, I remember one. Um, I stayed on a bit because um, Larry come back, and I remember he took me home to his house, and it was a typical uh, Mexican family. You know, Mama saddle tree, and they had they had a dozen kids. Or the ones I saw anyway, they were everywhere, and I had the authentic, I had the authentic Mexican Mexican meal, and it was just. The best. Sensational, yeah. Mind you, mind you. In the morning, lucky the water, lucky the toilet was water cooled because I tell you, <laughs> <it was laughs> but um, yeah. So so I I ended up coming home, and I guess the foray into 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 I worked at a tire service as soon as I got home, and I had a I bought a Harley while I was over there, so yeah. that followed me home. Um, so, then, we're, so we're talking early eighties here, really, aren't we? And, yeah, and, early eighties. And, and early eighties. Is this about the point somehow that the connection with Peter Brock and and the Holden dealer team starts? How did that all come about? Yeah, well, I was working at I was working at the tyre shop, just you know, trying to fill in, and I'd heard that they were putting HGT special vehicles was putting on people. So obviously, I'd, I'd known of HGT themselves. I thought, well, if I can get into I feel I can get into the organisation. I might be able to somehow wangle getting into racing. Anyway, so I started that special vehicles. So you're a young bloke here. What are we talking? You you're sort of twenty or early twenties kind of thing. How old, how old were you? Uh, so I was twenty three then. Okay. So I was working at special vehicles um, yeah. in the workshop, and as you know, that was in Leveson Street, North Melbourne, and the race shop was the old. Johnny Shepherd shop, which you know Brock had Brock had bought, um, that in Chetwin Street. So I used to walk through a little paddock, and anyway, I I didn't I I didn't sort of telegraph, you know, I'd love to get into racing, but I was working away, and I you know, fates everything, I guess, and luck, bit of bit of both. Um, you 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 know our famous yep. mortician, yep, Graham Mort Brown, we're talking about, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah which I which. Back then, I didn't. I, I'd never gone up to the to the race team to even have a look. I sort of kept kept to myself because I thought they probably get every every man his dog from the workshop go up there and want to have a look. Um, and I heard I heard 
uh, that was when Bruce Nowacki uh, got crook. You know, he had yes. had a misfortune, and then Brock talked Larry into running the the workshop, being team manager. Mm-hmm. So, and I, Larry had come down to the main. Brock had his main offices up at um, in Leveson Street, up on the second floor there at the front. So, you'd often see Larry come down or 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 part Neil Burns, one of the yep. guys, and. You didn't. You, you just acknowledged, but Larry was always in and out. He had the shits on all the time, <laughs> and I thought, oh shit. So, and and, and, it, and it got around that yeah, he's pretty he's pretty hard guy to work for. Anyway, I don't know what it was, Rusty. I, I still I, I I keep meaning to ask LP, but um, he was walking through the workshop one day, and he just. I was on the back of a car, you know, the, it was a VH, um, VHSS, what, you know, HDT car, and he, he walked past and I turned around and he said, what are you doing, cop? <laughs> as, as he always does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, nothing really. What? He said, do you want to come to a race meeting and help out? And I said, yeah, yeah, no, I'd love to. He said, he got any experience? I said, oh, look, I worked on drags and he kept walking, you know, that did want it. He sort of half listened. That race meeting was a CRC 300 at Amaru Park. Fantastic. Um, so I went went up for the weekend. I was I was just a, a, um, a churn operator, but basically. Yeah. Um, so the regular guys were there, um, obviously more. Sorry, the reason I went up, uh, the reason he, I got asked because Mort dropped an air bottle on his foot and broke his toe. Ah. So they needed someone. And that's that... Um, opened the door for you. Uh, opened the door. So I went up for the race meeting and uh, apart from that, the guys really didn't want to want you to... You were, you were just a gopher, you know. Um, you weren't allowed to go near the cars. And I, Andy Bartley was working there then as well and I just said to Andy, look, if... Well, I said to everyone, uh, Marty, what? Well, I said, look, if I can do anything, um, j- just yell out. You know, anyway, it was empty the oil, empty the oil bucket, and da 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 da. Anyway, Andy was under the car, and he said, mate, can you, can you come up and give us a hand? Come under and give us a hand. And I did, and we just started talking, and um, I was getting the bolt, you know, working in with him, and he said, oh, you seem to be pretty handy around a race car, and I said, oh, look, I, I used to work with Larry Ormsby in, in drag racing. So, yeah, you know, um, obviously specialty bolts and nuts and, you know, you just didn't belt everything in if, into a hole. If it didn't fit, you had to find out why. So that was – I'd come back and I'd done another meeting and then LP come down and said, look, can you give us a hand up in the workshop overnight? Which I said, yeah, love to. So then I went up into the race team – and he was getting me to do odd jobs. And I remember I, because um, Dad had an engineering business. So, you know, I learnt, I learnt from, I don't know when to use micrometers and slide. From a young age, and, from a really yeah. young age. Yeah. So I was putting a caliper together and um, a front caliper it was and the piston, the, they, it, it looked a bit tight. So I thought, oh, I better measure it before I try and push it in. So I got a set of vernies and I was measuring a piston and LP said, what are you doing now? So I just, it felt a bit tight, LP, so I'm just measuring the piston to make sure that, you know, it's, it, I've got the right piston in the right bore or it's because there was two calipers in bits and I was putting them together. So I didn't know whether 
you know, one piston might have been from the other caliber. The other one, yeah. So he said, where'd you learn to do that? And I said, oh, Dad had an engineering shop. And then it was about a week later, he said, you want to work up here full time? So that, that was that was it in 83, I think it was. So we're talking here for people that are listening to the podcast that mightn't realise, LP, Larry Perkins, Bathurst and, and Australian touring car racing legend. And we began this part of the conversation by talking about the great Peter Brock. Now, uh, Jeff, what was it like to work with him? He featured a couple of times in your career too, didn't he? I mean, he was an incredible figure as both a, a sportsman and as a human being, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Look, um, I mean, to to Peter, the the I mean, he was busy. He was he was very busy. But and at that stage, special vehicles was was going gangbusters. You know, they were um, the car. You know. I, I can't remember the amount of cars that were being produced down the road from the donor cars from Holden, but it was going gangbusters. He he used to come up to the race team probably on average once or twice a week. Regardless of him come up, he was very quietly spoken around us guy or me. I, I mean, Part worked with him for years, so did Mort. Um, so I was just a young bloke, but he... I never forget one day um, I bought the Harley in. Anyway, he come up to the race team and he said, "Oh, well, whose is that?" And I said, "Oh, it's mine," you know. And, he, and anyway, he then he, he went. I think he travelled overseas at one stage and he come back and it was all his hog stuff. So he 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 was the one that called started calling me hog. So <laughs> and that that uh, that stuck with me. But uh, I guess. The magic of Brock then was just when you went to the track, you know, he'd do minimal laps and he'd just hop in and, like, he'd be on pole or he'd be just... he just... At one with it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I guess back in those days, the Group C cars, which, by the way, are my favourite, really, um, they they really were sort of half a half a road car base but you know they were still they were fettle they, they had yeah. good brakes and um but a lot of a lot of stuff was based off a genuine road car and you fit you know you tuned it so obviously part was part was a magic 308 engine builder then and um and and we you know we obviously larry was very clever at at, at the way the cars were engineered um, and put together. So, and then Peter just hopped in and drove him and he got the best. It was a bit like me going back. It was a bit like me when Dad tuned the bike with the Amal Carby, you know. Um, he just hopped in and it was a good, it was a great car and it, he just shined, you know. It was just brilliant to watch. The Nissan GTR nickname, Godzilla, was originally given to it by the Australian magazine Wheels in its July 1989 edition. Us Aussies really do love a nickname, don't we? I think I would like to be called Navo. People can find pictures um, on on the web, Jeff. There's there's a great one, I think, from 84 of all of the team. You, you know, they were 
sponsored, of course, by Philip Morris back then. It was an incredible, incredible outfit. And some of the names that you've rattled off already are in that um, are in that photo from Graham Mort Brown. I mean, Craig Fletcher, I think, is in there as well. He, he's a, a much missed character. You've sort of summed up what he was like um, around the team for you to begin with, and then what he was like uh, when it when it came to the car. But he was. You get athletes, Jeff, I think, and then you get these real special ones every once in a while, and that was him, wasn't it? It was. Um, they, they, look, and 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 you've you know we've been around together, mate. And I was very young then, so that was probably my. I didn't follow a lot of sports, like a bit of footy, mm-hmm. but but you know I was in awe when I when when I met with him, and then you'd go and work there. Yeah, you know, we'd go to a race meeting. And it was just wow, you know, geez, you know, he's he just picked it up and and walked with it. And then over time, mate, you you know, you know, you do same thing with with a Mark Scaife, for El um, Lounsey, even McLaughlin. Now, you know, you yes. just look at you you do you get special you get a special person that rolls up, and it's in every sport. I, I now like watching a lot of sports, you know, and you see special people. You know, the Shoemakers, the Hamiltons, the Senners, you know, they just stand out and um, it, it just, they they look like they do no wrong, to be honest, um, and they're special people, you know. Most definitely. So did you ever get a steer of one of those cars, one of those Group C cars, either from the workshop, maybe maybe a sneaky little test run out the back, <laughs> what'd you do? <laughs> no, I, I I've had a couple of... I've had a couple of episodes, but uh, yeah. obviously I would have always loved to be a driver, but I just yeah. I, I didn't explore it because I, I, I love working on the cars. So there's a couple of instances. There's one there, there's, there's one where <laughs> I drove the car. We were testing at Calder. I was with LP then in his own yeah. team, and I, I went round and they had like little islands in the middle, and I and I just nicked the front spoiler on, on the. And and mate, I I I got ripped a new wow. a hole. I can tell you. <laughs> um, but and there was another one. I, I did get. I was fortunate enough. I snuck a few in. Um, yes. There was a there was a couple of times where we were at uh, we were at Wanneroo, and back in Wanneroo days, you, you the three cars an LP had actually placed. So there was, I think it was uh, a Nissan. Uh, might have been uh, back then. It might have been Richo. Yes, Jimmy Richo Richards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And LP, and I think Dick. So they pulled up the front. They do the presentation, and it was up to us to drive them. You had to go round the track and come into the pit entrance pit line. Yeah. So, so there was Pete Alphabet, Peter Schaefer. Um, he was he was in the Nissan Dino. Dick's brother was in the yes, and and me and um, uh, so we've gone round turn one two over the back and we've looked at each other. And we're into it, you know, <laughs> Rev, revving the shit out of them. And anyway, we go down to we go down to the down to the bowl and and we ended up we nearly hit each other and alphabet went off into the sand anyway we've come up to the we've come up to the hill you know where you come down to to the last turn we've yes. all backed off and um we've driven into the pits and lp he done his lol you you know i won't say the expletives but 
I said, no, mate, we weren't racing. He said, yes, you were. I said, no, I was, I was only, I, I couldn't change gears. I just left it in second. And obviously it just sounded louder than I was going. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then at Caldwell, I did a little bit of a stint with Johnny Shepard, uh, John Shepard, when he was running the Volvos. Volvos, yes. And when he wasn't around, I, I used to get Bowie's helmet and put it on and we'd just drive out because we worked there and the bloke in the gate was fine. He just thought we'd go out for a spin. So he'd just <laughs> wave, I'd wave. So I'd go for a honk around corner in the... In the uh, as, as John Bow's stunt double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I love it was... It. Uh, yeah, it was... There was some, there was some good... Uh, I, I, I must admit, I... Um, the best one, the most memorable one was uh, Fred asked me to take the GDR down to Sandown. I was doing a promo shot. Godzilla, the Nissan. Yeah, yes. yeah. And um, anyway, it was down the old, the, the blokes wanted it down the old NGK. So I, I took it off the trailer, drove it down to the NGK and they said, all right, we want to go. And there was no one on the track, obviously doing. He said, oh, oh now we want to go down to the front straight. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll go around the track. <laughs> so I so I did do that, and that was an awesome. I mean, I I didn't drive it to any ability of, of a proper driver, mind you, but boy, you know what a machine! It 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 going around a corner, and like I didn't warm tyres up or anything. It just gripped, and it was amazing to to actually. And I, when you when, when, and you got a bit a really good appreciation of when we were racing it, but yep. Um, yeah, that no, was good. Terrific. We'll talk more about about these because we've jumped uh, across a couple of things in your timeline. Before we wrap up your first experiences with Brock and that chapter with HDT, firstly, you'd only been there a relatively short period of time, Jeff, and 84, one to finish at the mountain. I mean, that must rank as one of the, the special ones for you. Yeah, it was. It was. It, look, that, that was problem, uh, you know, I mean, there was favourite times when I was involved at HRT as well, and yep. and Nissan, and Nissan. You know, we got, we, um, you know, that, that we had awesome. They were all awesome times with with great people, you know, the, and drivers. But the but the one two at Bathurst was certainly the most. I mean, we'd uh, I'd gone over to uh, England. Larry Larry asked me if I'd go to England to help. Uh, work on the Team Australia, the 956, which was Six. a lease car from John Fitzpatrick, that, and we worked in his workshop preparing it. I'm um, glad you brought that up because that's actually another great great yarn in itself. The fact that you're able to do that as well is huge. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. I, I, I only, We had Andy Bartley uh, also went over. He was a senior guy and, and mm. I was basically the junior, but it was a great experience for sure. But um, going back to the Group C cars, we we rushed back because Holden and and Peter wanted to have two brand new cars for the run out of, uh, and I've got a lot of the pictures in Chetwin Street when we were building Fantastic. the two big bangers. Um, I remember we, and and it was the the first time we were going to use a Philip Morris uh, Formula One colour, which was that day glow orange. Yep. Anyway. Um, uh, E.T., this guy, a painter, E.T., and there was another guy down at Special Vehicles had their own paint shop, and they, so the paint come out and they they did the the, the new paint scheme, which was it's just stunning, 
and we we took the, we took the car out to Calder for a shakedown because we were running really late, um, yep. getting them finished. Anyway, it was it was wet out there, and we did two laps. And I remember the front straight of Calder was day day glow orange. It just peeled off because the <laughs> it was a it was a plastic sort of it. it you needed a special primer, so <laughs> it, it peeled off and. They, we had to rush them back, and obviously they um, ET worked out that um, we had the we had the right. You know, he needed an, an next primer and got it got it got it sorted. But they were they were an awesome they were an awesome car. I mean, they weren't any different to the older the the ones they preceded. It was just yep. that they were brand new, and they were just a stunning stunning paint job. And 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 LP had. Designed a new inlet manifold then for those for that those two races, and it really worked well. And and yeah, Peter, like it was just easy, you know. But let's bounce through a couple of other aspects of your career because I want to get to I want to get to Nissan, and I certainly want to get to the the Holden Racing Team. You mentioned Volvo there before and sneaking out and being uh, John Bow's stunt double. It was a short little stint that you you experienced with that team, but the the two forty T actually enjoyed a bit of success around that period before the Swedes sort of withdrew from the from the oh, championship. What was it like? A, a, absolutely. They, well, most of the most of the development work they were racing in Europe then. Obviously it was it was full on Group A and RAS were their anointed um I guess works team and there was some pretty clever stuff. I mean, they looked like a brick but they were far from it. Um so they were they were actually even though they were you know the comments were it was ugly but there was some under the under the skin there was some pretty clever engineering I can tell you cool. yeah definitely so you were there but then an opportunity came to link back up with uh, with Larry Perkins with his own operation didn't it just to just to sort of if you can a bit of backstory on how that that unfolded well LP got in touch with him and said look I want to start my own team LP's one of, he's almost the same character as a Brock, probably not in the in the overall driving thing, but the experience and what he's done in life. I mean, you you know, it it's it's second to no one. You know, he's yes with his formula. You know, his his Europe experiences and you know getting into formula, winning the Formula Three European Championship, which which if you won that, you you were there. You know, and yep. uh, and his drives, and then coming back here. Um, his passion for engineering and and I guess it complemented Peter because I think Peter knew that uh, Larry would need, leave no stone unturned as far as getting the best out of the car through engineering and so then and I respected LP for that um, yep. he was he was at times very hard to work with but you know I, I respected that you you know. With with LP, you just did what you were told and got on with it, and and that was the best, that was the best remedy. So when he rang up and said, "Look, um, Hog, I'm starting my own team," uh, it was Roberta Street in Moorabbin. I yep. said, "Yeah," I, he didn't have to ask me twice. So there Excellent. was at that stage he convinced. So there was Part, myself, Barry Abbott, Meyer. Um, and that was the initial. There was a couple other people after that, but we we went down there, and here's 
there's this empty workshop with two brand new body shells that Holden had given him sitting on the floor and his mum's round Australia VW sitting over in the corner. <laughs> um, and it was, and it was, uh, look, and I really enjoyed that. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed that time. It was, it was bloody hard because um, money wasn't, we didn't have a, the biggest budget, but we certainly, you know, we had to bring all our own tools and Dad, Dad still had a lot of stuff left over from when he, when he got out of engineering, which I, we took down and just, it was that tight, even building shelves, there was a furniture maker out the back and, and there was a laneway and they used to throw all the old timber and we'd be out there getting the nails out and straightening them and, and, really? and putting, putting bits of timber together to make a shelf and so it was, it was, uh, you know, it was real. We started at the very bottom and, but you know. But it became a significant operation, didn't it? Mate, no, no. I mean, I, I, I was there for four years and then I left obviously to go um, when Fred and Mark invited me to go to um, Nissan for the, the GDR program. Um, but, yeah, I mean, LP, uh, you know, Perkins Motorsport and then it, it went on to do big things, obviously with Russell and all the guys he had there. You know, they, they were a formidable operation, no two ways about it. I nearly went back. I actually nearly went back to LPs. Um, it was, I think, 91 when when he, he did a deal with Brock uh, for one year and we had a long chat. I was at Nissan then, so obviously, and I, and we did talk about going back and then... I armed and hard, and I, and but I I knew things were a bit tense um, between the two operations because they moved out, they you know moved down to Chetwin Street, and so I thought, oh no, I'll just stay where I was at that time. So, um, but yeah, LP, fond memories, great great guy, great teacher. Um, I'll always you know I'll always recognise. There's a couple of people I'll. I'll always recognise um, who I'm very grateful for, and he's 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 very much one of them. And he's not, you know, he just uh, really really was great to work with and and showed me a lot lot in racing. Am I right in saying that that one of the kind of Larry learnings, if you like, was that the the cars were often in their in their build and in their development. Uh, very much with a Bathurst focus, Jeff, weren't they? From day one, Rusty, and in the end, it was unspoken. But from from the HDT days when we we're there, it, nothing went on to any car unless he knew it would it would perform and last a one thousand k race at Bathurst. And that was his whole yearly focus. He okay. didn't, you know, he wasn't interested in, you know, the Mickey Mouse lightweight widget that'll do one race it was all hmm. he prepped the whole year to win Bathurst and that was that was his um, goal and and if you worked under him it had to be your goal as well like if he knew that you weren't you were doing something that that would not work on the car for a Bathurst race even though we weren't going to Bathurst you you, you would you would get a severe talking to hmm. so um, and that that really that really come with me right through my career. You know, it, it ended up being me. You know, Bathurst was Bathurst was it. Forget everything else. You had to win Bathurst and you had to have the right car and people to do it. 
you talked before about GTR and, and um, you know, I think Neil Crompton once described it in commentary as being a, a bigger tennis racket. Um, Freddie Gibson ran an ultra professional show and you were there at a great time, Jeff, with the likes of Mark Scaife, who you detailed before, Jim Richards, whose record is uh, is just remarkable, two very different characters and yet they work so well together. Mark learned so much from Jimmy. Yep. Um, it, look, it was <laughs> it was a, it was an interesting time. But Fred, I, I mean, it was it was a he had like you went from from LP who you know bare bones straight engineering to to Fred who was I guess wanted the you know the marketing and the thing that went went uh, went on there was second to none you know everything had to be pristine the team looked great um it was always you know if you if you had your white race shoes on and they were they were dirty you had to have a new pair the next day you know it was it was just and, and it worked and it really worked for you know fred was no nonsense in the marketing side of things um I guess Mark took that on as well, uh, and together, we, as you said, you, a, a very important thing was was the Jimmy Jimmy Richards Mark Scaife, you know, a bit like the Peter Brock Craig Lounge, yes. same thing, yeah. you know. They um, Mark just soaked up all the um, all the information that that Jimmy gave him, and and then just careered on from there. So I'm I'm sure you've um, over time sat back. You, you've Sometimes maybe it's just fate, Jeff, as you said before, and and at other times you make your own luck. You work incredibly hard to get those opportunities, but you've been with some terrific teams along the way, and fans um, always think about the HRT chapter, the Holden Racing Team, golden period for the sport, golden period for that team. Let, let's start with who approached who, and and how did that all sort of unfold? But you would you would get to go and and work there. Well, I. I initially bumped into John Crennan and it, I'll jump ahead in one. That the other person that I owe a lot of my career to, other than LP, is John Crennan because, you know, he was he he was my mentor that, you know, what I learnt from him, um, you know, you you couldn't put down in words. So I... When when there was a stage there when LP we run the or LP got the contract to run special vehicles race team. Yep. When John was setting up um, HSV, so they were doing. Remember the remember the uh, Group A, yes. the five hundred. That's yeah. that was their first lot of jobs. So, but in the contract, uh, HSV had to have some racing element to it. So they contracted LP. Um, and and to be honest, Part and I and probably Barry Abbott Meyer and uh, Rod Smith was there by then. We we thought that this was our this was our time. You know, we would get the factory team. And because Part and I had worked at HDT, when when you know the fans love the brand, you know, with Brock and and what have you, we thought, well, you know, we would love to have a piece of that back. Um, to but typical. Typical LP, you know, he and Tom, he and Tom didn't see eye to eye many times and obviously the 88 Bathurst didn't help that when we were, Denny and 
LP were miles out in front and because Tom's uh, The Secret Women from England was was a secret shit box. <laughs> um, uh, and Tom, at the end of the race when he knew we were, you know, we were miles in front and going to win, wanted to hop in the car and contractually, we, you know, the the arguments were on but it had to happen mm-hmm. and, and and it's obvious history. You know, Tom hopped in the car and he we used to run what we called the 1103. Everyone run, everyone used to run the Mickey Mouse, whatever the, the pageant or whatever brand pad, but LP had the, it was 1103, it was a really hard compound pad, but it meant that we didn't have to do a pad change. So it went for a thousand K, and but but you, you know you had to drive it accordingly. It was very hard. It was very hard to stop the car because they didn't have a lot of co car friction. Yep. You know, thus lasting instead of wearing. Yep. Um. So, so Tom just to stop. I remember him hearing on the radio to his guy because his guy jumped in. Um, can't think of his name now. Pommy guy, and and obviously. Obviously, he was screaming and yelling that he couldn't pull the car up. So he was he was going down, you know, through Skyline down into Forest Elbow. He was going down two and three gears at once and dropping the clutch. And you imagine the old engine. Uh, so yeah, that that ended that. And that was I, I remember I, um, you know, LP had the shits obviously, and and so did we. You know, we back we always backed LP because. Yeah, you know, he was he was our boss and the team owner, and uh, in at the end of uh, at the end of eighty eight, I said to LP, I'm I'm gonna I want to travel overseas on a motorbike. It's it's I've wanted to do it for years when I was a young bloke, and I had a mate, and it never ever happened. So he said, All right, I said I'm I'm gonna have to leave because you know it's going to be six months. So all rightio. So I left. Um, I left and um, we did the whole Europe on a bought a BMW motorbike, man, my wife, the first wife, did the lap of Europe and had a great time. Anyway, we finished up in England because I, one of the guys I'd worked with at Fitzpatrick's who was working on the Skull Bandit cars, we become really good mates and I was sort of based myself out of out of his place when we, were, when we ventured. So we went down south into... Right down, I wanted to go to Anzac Cove because my oh, grandfather was in the in- English Merchant Navy there. Um, so when we got back to England, just before we'd come home, I they ended up saying, why don't you come down to Kidlington? And and I was a bit uneasy because of what happened in at the 88 Bathurst thing because we all let everyone know we had the shits about the, you know, the secret shit box that come over and, uh, you know, the diff fell out of it and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, I went down as courtesy and met a few of the guys that had come over. And um, anyway, Kenny Page it was. Kenny Page was the team manager and he said, oh, you'll be running late to get back to Australia. And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, LP's done a deal with Tom to run the long distance races. I said, what? I couldn't believe it. So so it was going to be Wynn, Percy, uh, Wynn and Neil Cropton. And and LP and Thomas Mazira. So I, I didn't. We just got back in our own time. Anyway, I I, I let, when we 
we we locked up our house and I had Mahali and everything over at mum and dad's place. And um, so we got back, got up, set, you know, greeted out, greeted the family and uh, all families. Anyway, I went over to pick Mahali up and dad said, look, LP's been trying to get older, you know, on the house phone. I said, oh, yeah, okay. So anyway, I rang and, um, yeah, cock, get get in your ute and come down. We, we, we've got to get ready. And I'd miss Sandown. I'd miss Sandown. So anyway, I said, all right. So I took the toolbox down and basically started back there again and went up to Bathurst and it was a, yeah, it was just a nightmare. It was the whole the whole Tom and uh, LP thing just didn't work, and which is a shame because I thought I, I I did go up because I thought well you never know it might it might turn around and LP does get the gig, but that was the last straw as far as Tom was concerned, and that's when they started started HRT in house. <coughs> Yeah. So so fast forward to your your post uh, or the, toward the end of your Nissan chapter, John Crennan gets in in contact with you. I think you were at Lakeside, weren't you? When the when the chats- yeah, no, we were at Lakeside. We were at Lakeside, and we just bumped into each other. And he said, "Oh, what are you up to?" And I said, "Oh, you know." At that stage, we were running Commodores. With Fred, we'd gone the Nissan thing and ended. Yes. You know, started in the what was the original supercar period yes. start and. Um, he said, you know, what are you, are you happy where you are? And I said, oh, look, I love the Nissan thing. I said, but, you know, what are you what are you getting at, John? He said, oh, there might be something coming up. So I said, oh, okay. Anyway, long story short, Neil Lowe got in touch with me and said, look, do you want to be workshop manager? So I said, yeah, yeah. So we, we, we talked about it and I ended up going there. Um, I, at that stage, I was seriously thinking of doing something else out of racing. I thought maybe it's worth because, um, you know, we're thinking about having a family and all that sort of thing and what have you. Anyway, I I, I took up the offer and went down and straight up, that was when Wayne Gardner was the driver and Thomas, yep. and, and I think Thomas had some instigation in getting me there and uh, anyway, I... I there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, taps on the shoulder, and I got what was a real story, which I won't go into. But it was wow, and um, it, the the deal was take the workshop manager thing, but just be patient because there might be another change. And I'm thinking, oh no. Anyway, uh, it, it happened. Uh, we were uh, there was a couple of race meetings, and then um, I'd bought over uh, Matthew Crawford. It was yep. from. From Nissan, he come and, and a couple of other, uh, uh, oh, Andy Coucher, a few, few guys. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we were Phillip Island testing and it was a two-day test. So Neil was down for the first day and then I've, I I drove home because I obviously lived at Mount Martha then and um, yeah, I got got the call from John, uh, John and, and Thomas and, yeah, go down and run the second day because uh, Neil Lowe won't be there. So... Um, so what we had, we obviously had a, a a bit of a briefing, and the cars were in a the cars and the engineering, and this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, other people might, other people that were there might might uh, 
might have different thoughts, but they were very fragile, if I could put that nicely, and yep. and high maintenance. So so Thomas Thomas really was the instigator, I guess, with 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 John. And so what initially it was Thomas to be team manager and then we we got uh, Ronnie Harrop to, to come on board as a consultant engineer mm-hmm. and 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 then I was a facilitator. So we basically we we had round table, cleaned out the cars uh, in componentry and then started introducing stuff that we knew would last and be competitive and what have you. So that went on for a while and then obviously once we got under control uh, with that, um, Thomas stepped back as a team manager and I took over as team manager and that's that's how it all, uh, it all started. They were tough early years, I know, but then the mix was right, Jeff. And uh, Aaron Noonan will correct me if I'm wrong here, but is it, is it six championships, four great race wins in your time there? I mean, just mega. Fans will want to know which title and which Bathurst are the ones that resonate for you from that chapter, that part. I, I guess there's three parts to it. A, and John... John used to have off-site meetings. So there'd be myself, John, Ronnie Harrop, a uh, couple of – Chris Dyer then as well. Who went to work for Ferrari. Yep, yep. Yeah, went to work and, and obviously was part of Michael Shoemaker's magnificent run and and myself. And John used to – John was a stickler for a, a, a five-year plan. And then when you dropped off a couple of years, then you went in and, and – John was really good at – he didn't want to know about the nuts and bolts. All he wanted to know about was the business. It run right. It was successful and, and you know, we got the right people in the right, in the right places. So, so it, it did – I've got to say I was young and I know John, I know Tom and, and other people in the industry, both here and England, were – Probably a bit sceptical about me being team manager, being I, I was young. Um, but John always had my back and he supported me, and I'll never forget. I'll never forget him for that. Um, but in early days, we we we, <laughs> we cut ourselves a lot walking over broken glass, and and a lot of that was me. But I guess probably the key moments were um, getting Peter back. In, into the factory team, mm-hmm. I, that was that was obviously key. And as soon as Peter come back in, the we become the 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 black cloud moved away, and we become the factory racing team with all the fans and the whole bit that went with it, which was great. You know, people and people acknowledge that when we're away. The, the, Second Brock, one, the Brock effect, yeah. It was, it was. And, he, and mate, you couldn't fault him for that. He was mm. just, he was a consummate professional. Um, the second one was the having Craig with, come on as a young bloke. Yep. And, again, it was the the, the Jim Richards, Mark Scaife thing, which I saw and we 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 replicated with Peter and, and Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The best Bathurst win was no doubtly 96, you know, for a lot of reasons and, you know, I've, I've said that before, but 96 was, uh, you know, 95 we, we, had a, we had a massive problem with 
engines, mm-hmm. um, and not not with the engine guys. They were they were ripper guys, but we had a component failure. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be on both engines. So, and and we nearly we nearly lost the factory deal. We nearly lost the factory deal. Wow! It was as a matter of fact, there was drawings, and probably John would have them where it was going to go back to the a HS one car, and it was going to be. The silk cut colours wasn't silk cut, but it and it was serious. And and look, eighty five. I I I had a long. I had a chat to Credo and said, "Look, John, it was my fault. Maybe I should leave." And he said, "No, no, no, no. You." He said, "You're not going to do that. You're gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna stand up and and correct it." So we did. Um, and it was a big year because we had a move. We moved out of Notting Hill down to um, down to the Nissan yep. plant down at Centre Road. So massive Christmas, two two new car builds, which which were which were as you know the old Petty Bar cars, yep. which Benny Eccleston owns actually. Um, so and they they were like the old Group C cars. You know they were they were they were they'll always be in our memory for. Ages that paint scheme, believe it or not, was invented out on the wash with with cans of blue paint, and we'd wipe lines and and we, anyway, we ended up getting something that looked uh, presentable, and that's how they were painted. That's fantastic. Um, not not with the cans of paint, mind you, no, but we just no. got we just got the theme right. Um, and yeah, so that was a special year. That was that was really special in my book to have Craig and Greg. Um, you know, Greg come on board also as a young guy. I mean, he was driving with um, BJR then, but um, you know, the two liter thing wasn't wasn't recognised by the fan base. But when he hopped in with Craig and they and Craig had a stellar year, and and so did Peter. You know, Peter won. Peter was he he'd won a couple of races as well. But we we were just bang. You know, it was there and then. But it all come down. We just had a I attribute all that to the guys we had on the team. Absolutely. You know, they were just, everyone worked together. It was like, it was like probably what a a Richmond and Port Adelaide are now or or, or Team New Zealand. You know, it was just a magical time to have all the guys and all pulling the one way. And we had John as our boss who, who was just there for everyone. So it was great. Most of you will know he's talking about Craig Lowndes and Greg Murphy there and a magic year in 1996. That's the end of part one of my podcast with Jeff Gregg, who is up for a chat. There is lots of gold still to come. Don't miss part two. Head back to the Rusty's Garage Library and hit the start button as we cover more on that unforgettable period with the Holden Racing Team. Our time helped heal a wound with one of the greats. They're back on speaking terms now, which is good his friendship with Barry Sheen, plus an innovation that HRT did their best to keep secret in the engineering race to remain number one. Listener.